If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Purdy spreads out of the pocket, sets, steps up, in trouble. And knocked down, ball loose, ball picked up. Jalen Ramsey, don't beat the Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This year, our turkey will be served with a side of Bedlam as Oklahoma heads to Stillwater for um, what could be an elimination game from the Big 12 championship should they lose. Now, there's still, um, you know, Baylor still has a say in this. If the Bears win Saturday morning, Oklahoma loses Saturday night, then it's going to be Baylor, Oklahoma State. If the Bears lose Saturday morning, then it doesn't matter what happens in Stillwater outside of the areas of pride. But uh, regardless, it's going to be a bedlam for the ages. He's Rich. I'm Matt. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. Rich, how you doing, man? I am doing well, doing well. I can't, I can't complain, Matt. And the honest truth is that if I did, I, I don't think anybody would listen anyway. Well, uh, <laughs> we got to jump into um, some Oklahoma uh, football talk. Clearly, we've got Zach Lowe coming on uh, to do a special episode of True or False uh, kind of with the, from an Oklahoma State perspective this uh, this week with Bedlam looming, but then you and I are going to sandwich that in between a bunch of OU football talk. But real fast, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night, Thanksgiving Eve. Oklahoma with a 57 to 40 win over Houston Baptist. The Sooners improved to four and one. Uh, Porter Moser's crew outscored Houston Baptist 35 to 13 in the second half, uh, and to come away with that win. And it's the second time we've seen them in as many home games just kind of sleepwalk through the first half. Oklahoma actually trailed by five uh, to the Huskies at the half and then just kind of turn it on and uh, do their thing and head to the locker room with a win. But uh, good to see them get back on their feet. And then they're heading out to Florida next um, for uh, I can't remember. I feel terrible about this. Is it Central Florida or South Florida that they play next? Now I'm going to have to That's Central Florida. OK, I, I was doubting myself for some reason. Then on the recruiting front, Rich, you and I talked about this a little bit uh, on the Sunday night podcast after the uh, Iowa State game, but Oklahoma, Oklahoma actually does lose to Florida, a coachless Florida team, you might, you might add. Um, Chris McClellan uh, has committed to go play for the Florida Gators over the Oklahoma Sooners, and it's a decision that just blows my mind, but hey, it is what it is. I'm sure he's got his reasons uh, for for going and doing such a thing, but that's the latest uh, football recruiting news. Um, I don't know, Rich. <laughs> I know you have some thoughts that you shared on Sunday, uh, particularly with the last name of Cleland 
and uh, and jettison the uh, the uh, Norman area. But how crazy is it to lose to uh, lose out on a kid to a team without a coach? It's definitely unexpected. Something that I don't know. Man, late in the recruiting session for a guy like Chris McClellan, anyone would have predicted, specifically given the fact that a majority of the predictions were going in favor of Oklahoma early on. Now, of course, situations change. Um, you have a lot more time to get to know the coaching staff. You have a lot more time to get to know the program. You head down to campus, official, unofficial visits, kind of see what campus life is like man and and I get it from one standpoint that Florida just by its very nature is a bigger draw than the state of Oklahoma. I mean, there's a beach there. We, we we can't boast the same type of a beach and a lot of a lot of individuals find that as something that's a positive in favor of programs like USC, of programs like Florida, of programs like Florida State, of programs like a Texas A&M, these places that are a little bit closer to those beachfronts then somewhere like Norman, Oklahoma. And needless to say, I didn't think it was as big of a draw as, as it may be for a guy like Chris McClellan. So without a coach, Matt, I'm absolutely stunned by that. But of course, each individual has to pick the option that is best for them and use that as a springboard for getting to the ultimate goal of playing in the NFL. So what I'm gathering from your assessment here is that the blissful shores of Lake Thunderbird do not equate to those of the yeah, Atlantic not, Ocean. Not quite, man. Just not okay. quite. I mean, teach their own. I don't know that the water is any clearer, but. <laughs> teach their own. I will say there's, there's two factors here that, that need at least be brought up. One is the, the idea or the thought that maybe uh, McClellan and Oklahoma's defensive coaching staff couldn't see eye to eye on what his role would be uh, within the schemes of this defense. So there, there's one issue there. Um, and then the other thing is that Garrick McGee, uh, who is on the coaching staff at Florida is expected to be retained with the new coaching staff, but Garrick McGee and McClellan's dad are pretty good friends as well, which gives them a connection there. So it's not a total shot in the dark that Oklahoma is missing out on this kid. There are some other circumstances that are going on in the background uh, keeping with the bad recruiting news is that Hero Canoe seems to be trending heavily for um, uh, Ohio State at this point. And so it could be two big defensive recruits uh, that Oklahoma's missing out on uh, in recruiting news this week. I want to stick with uh, football for just another second. Well, we're going to stick with football throughout. But before we get into bedlam, another little tidbit to bring up here is that uh, Gabe Burkich named as one, three, one of the three finalists for the Groza Award. Uh, Burkich is there along with uh, Jake Mooney of Ohio State, uh, excuse me, Jake Mooney of Michigan and Noah Ruggles, uh, Ruggles from Ohio State. I actually get a vote on this, Rich. I, I, um, I get a vote for the, um, for the Groza Award, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds to tell me why I should vote Gabe Burkich as number one. You vote him one, two, and three. So your choices, you know, uh, however you want to put them, you know, carry so many points. So you got 30 seconds to tell me why I should vote Gabe Burkich number one on my Grozo Award. Man, th this one's simple for me. And it's really the range that a guy like Gabe Burkich has had. You look at the start that Oklahoma First five games of the season without Gabe Burkich, I don't think they're they're winning some of those games, given how close of contests they were. But then you look at the situation and the position that he was put in in order to maintain a score, build a little bit of a lead. 
or at least pull Oklahoma into the winning position. Those are 50 plus yard field goals of which he has at least five this season. No other kicker in the country can boast that kind of a number, but there's a knock as well. So I'm arguing the four at this point in time, we're going to push those to the side. Okay. Yeah. Don't give me any knocks because you, you may convince me to vote him number one. Um, and I may just reach out to you and, and let you tell me how to vote on the other uh, postseason ballots that, that come along my way. Okay. Um, let, let's go this route as well. Because we're talking about postseason awards, Oklahoma State defensive coordinator Jim Knowles is a um, a finalist for the Bryles Award, which goes to the top assistant coach in the nation. When you when you look at Oklahoma State football, clearly the story here with this team is the defense and and what they're doing to opponents that most recently shut out win over Texas Tech. Then we compare that to Alex Grinch. Who we we seem to think Alex Grinch, you know, you and I, Rich, talked preseason. Is this is this Alex Grinch's last season in Norman? Up and down roller coaster season for Oklahoma's defense. A lot of that has to do with injury. But here's the here's the question, and I'm going to ask this to Zach as well, just to get his take on it. But is Jim Knowles a hotter coaching commodity than Alex Grinch is? And we're just not talking about it because we see everything through crimson and cream glasses. That's. That's a really good question um, and one that we could easily debate for the duration of a one-hour podcast. You do have to take into consideration what Jim Knowles is doing on the field with this defense. Over the past four games, Matt, we know that they, their opponents are averaging 5.6 points per game. They've got the shutout that you've mentioned. There's a couple of three-point outings that this defense surrendered that are put up there as well. and. and Man, I can't remember how many quarters it was that they went without allowing an offensive touchdown, the this, this starting 11, without allowing an offensive touchdown from an opponent. These are things that I, I do believe the national narrative would say weren't, weren't possible in the Big 12. More specifically, a Big 12 defense wasn't capable of posting these numbers. Are they, are they head-turning? Are they eye-popping? Absolutely. And I think a lot of that obviously should be attributed to Knowles because we've held more specifically me. I've held this ideology that a coach's job is to put his players in a position to succeed. From there, it's the player's job to actually make the play. And you're seeing this reciprocity where the coach has the players. You like that big word. The coach has the players in a position to succeed and they're doing what's being asked of them. The one thing for me when it comes to Jim Knowles, it, it also, I, I don't know how else to put this outside of saying you have to look at recruiting as well, because mm. that's, that's a big factor at the collegiate level. How good of a recruiter are you? Now, Alex Grinch isn't the best recruiter on the Oklahoma Sooner sideline, but you also have to look at, he came into this system and began to shape, began to mold. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think Alex Grinch has the back end of the defense filled with recruits that he would like to be in those positions. Is he getting there? Absolutely. I think Jim Knowles is on the opposite side of that equation where he has a very experienced 
defense, I would be more interested to see what he does next year Mm -hmm. than what he's doing this year. Yes. Like I said, head turning, eye popping numbers. I think he's a hot commodity, but I think Alex Grinch is a hotter commodity, not because it's the bigger program, not because it's the cash cow of the big 12. It's because that he's showing consistent improvement despite the loss of some of these big name individuals from that defense. Will Oklahoma state find themselves in that position next year? Again, question mark still exists there. So I, I have to go with Alex Grinch for, for that specific reason. Well, speaking of Jim Knowles and Oklahoma State defense, that's what Oklahoma has to try to figure out. How can they put points on the board uh, against the Cowboys in Stillwater in an effort to save their run at a seventh Big 12 championship? We're going to get into all of that. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Okay, Rich, look, I, Oklahoma's defense is broken, and there's there's no getting around it. There's no disguising it. There's no hiding from it. The question is, can it be salvaged? Can, can Lincoln Rally put together enough gumption, enough surprise, enough tenacity, enough whatever word, adjective you want to throw out there to go up against this defense that you, you just kind of said all the reasons why Oklahoma fans should be nervous playing this defense, particularly in Stillwater, I think the answer is yes, but in order to do so, I'm going back to what I said before the Iowa State game, and that Lincoln Riley's going to have to have a fundamental philosophical come-to-Jesus meeting where he sees what he has and what they're capable of and how they can most, how they can be in the best situation to succeed. And to me, Rich, doing that is running the football. Coming downhill, not on stretch plays, not on on delayed draws, not on, you know, just line up, knock the guy over in front of you, move him into the other gap, move him out of the way, and come at you. You might get only two yards on one play, but then you might spring for six on the next. Uh, you you just never know. But I, I just, oh, if I I'm I'm still on this after watching Caleb Williams in person yet again last weekend against Iowa State. You can't go back to Spencer Rattler. That that ship has sailed. The, the toothpaste has been squeezed out of the tube. You can't put it back in. All those analogies that we like to use in this situation. But that said, I, I'm, I'm stuck on this, Rich. What Caleb Williams gives you is what he can do with his legs. And if that's not going to be utilized as an advantage, I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't know why. I just don't get it. This needs to be, in my opinion, a 60-40 run to pass option. Offense. 60% run, 40% pass. I joked about it in the last episode, but I, I'm serious. Look at what Mike Gundy's doing with an inconsistent quarterback with a strong running game and a good defense. 
we saw this defense kind of have a revival of sorts the last two games. Yeah, they they their backs finally broke on the road at Baylor, but man, they had Brock Purdy running for his life in Norman. Now you get to play against an Oklahoma State team that is banged up along the offensive line and you have a very similar opportunity to do that. It, if Lincoln Riley doesn't come out and run the ball, I'm I'm going to jump onto the bandwagon of belief that he just doesn't like running backs. <laughs> you don't believe that to be true. And I, at I this know point, I don't, at this point to- I don't, but if, if they, if they come out and, and like two thirds of their plays or pass plays where Caleb Williams stands in a pocket for five seconds before he gets sacked, I, I might start believing that. Let's take a look at the the previous three games for Oklahoma, because I'm jumping on board with you. Oklahoma has to run the ball in this game against Baylor and against Texas Tech. Texas Tech really is the anomaly for me in that Oklahoma was finding success down the field to where it really didn't matter if the running game was productive or not, because Texas Tech didn't have the players capable of stopping the receivers for Oklahoma. So Baylor's really the the one game I want to pinpoint, the one game I wanted to focus in. And Oklahoma really struggled. Why offensively? Because they weren't able to run the ball against Baylor and Texas Tech. Kennedy Brooks had a combined 90 yards in those two games. Matt, you look at what Iowa State was doing, and I think they have a very capable defense. They've got a good defensive minded coach in Matt Campbell. You have two of the best defensive ends, not just in the conference, but potentially in the country. And you've got two linebackers who can back that defensive line up like very few in this league can. Needless to say, what happened? Oklahoma ran the ball, utilized Kennedy Brooks, 17 carries, 115 yards, and they really controlled that game. I think if Oklahoma refuses to utilize the talents of Kennedy Brooks, if they fail to get a push along this offensive line to open up those running lanes for Kennedy Brooks, it is going to be an offense that is going to find itself in trouble. Needless to say, I do once again agree with you. Caleb Williams needs to be utilized in that game plan. And I'm not talking about his throwing ability. I'm talking about his running ability. Why, Matt, we know that if Oklahoma can get the safeties of Oklahoma State to begin biting down on play action, those plays down the field are going to open up. But even more so if you have to account for Caleb Williams with just a slow count to three before releasing and running towards the first down marker. If you have to account for that, think about all these cornerbacks as well. Anyone in the secondary is going to be coming forward to stop Caleb Williams from scrambling. Once again, opening things back up as rotations and shifts have to occur to keep that ball from moving downfield. When Oklahoma runs the ball, it's very obvious. It's very evident to me when Oklahoma runs the ball and does so successfully, it sets, it sets the passing game up. It sets up that deep pass. And that's where I think Oklahoma can seriously do some damage, but they've got to be successful in that first attempt in first down more specifically for me while running the ball. The second, Matt, if we're going to just throw out kind of our keys to the game here, I do want to tack on a second one here. And it's something that's so obvious to me. It should be obvious 
to you as well. What I know about this Oklahoma State defense is I don't believe that they're very opportunistic. And what I mean by opportunistic is they're not a, a team that's turning, forcing turnovers as consistently as they have from some of the defenses in the past. I pulled up the numbers here, and Oklahoma State has a plus two on the turnover margin. Why they've forced or they've gained 14 and they've lost 12. Oklahoma leading in the statistical category has gained 20 and lost 10. But when you look at a rivalry matchup and you look at what these defenses are capable of doing, I think a turnover is extremely costly to you. Not only does it stop your momentum, not only does it give the opposing offense another chance to begin to advance the ball towards the, the goal line, even if it results in a field goal, that's all that it could take in this game, in my opinion, to be the, the winner. So Oklahoma cannot turn the ball over. They need to value these possessions, not put themselves in a bad position in which those man errant throws that we've seen here recently from Caleb Williams into double or even triple coverage are something he feels like he has to go to. Well, he's trying to force those, and and that's and that's the thing. It, it, you're right. You just said it. I've said it on previous podcasts. It's it's one, two, three. If you're if it's not there, check down. If you're not checking down and your check down's not available, then you run at five. But um, you got to stop. You you got to instead of looking again. I'm I'm repeating myself, and I'm so sorry for people who who listen to this podcast regularly, but. Caleb Williams needs to check near to back and he needs to check, you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage, 10 yards of line of scrimmage, and then downfield as opposed to the opposite, because he's looking downfield first, waiting for that to develop. That's why he's standing in the pocket for five seconds. That, that has to stop. That's the one thing that's the most broken component of this offense. And, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about turnovers. That's going to be I, that's going to be, in my opinion, one of the deciding factors in this game because you you, you go back to I, I think turnovers, special teams, and penalties probably are going to have more to do with what uh, how this game shakes out than really anything X's and O's related because those are going to be either giving opportunities to Oklahoma State or taking opportunities away from Oklahoma state. And it doesn't matter how good your defense is. If you can't get off the field, your defense is going to wear out. And that's where Oklahoma, they don't need to do the quick strike. They don't need to look down for the big plays. This needs to be a ground and pound everything within 15 yards. You go ahead and run your verticals to get those safeties out of the way. And then you're doing slants. You're doing drags. You're doing flats routes. Those are the type of passes you're looking at. Because you want to just, you want, I know it sounds crazy when we're talking about how good this defense is, but the longer Oklahoma can keep that defense on the field, the better it is. And so you're right. Uh, I think together we're putting a, a game plan here that, that makes a lot of sense in that you, you run the ball, right? And then you limit your turnovers. In fact, don't, don't, give out, don't give the ball away at all. And then you keep that defense on the field because you keep leaning on them. You keep leaning on them. Third quarter, fourth quarter, their legs are going to start getting getting a little bit wobbly. And then you're going to see what was a three to four yard run through the first two and a half quarters. <laughs> a three to four yard run is going to turn into eight to 10 yard run because of, of weak legs. 
that's what Oklahoma has to do. Now, again, no one pays me like Lincoln Riley gets paid. He's the offensive genius. And so he's probably got a plan. And if it's not this plan, it's probably better than mine. I'm just saying there's just so much here with this offense that you're you're just you're trying, in my opinion. We we saw it with Baylor, we saw it with Iowa State, and it, we've seen it other places, but we even going back to Kansas, but Baylor and Iowa State highlighted it with Caleb. Williams, it feels like he's trying to force a a round peg into a square hole where you know the kid can run the ball. So let him run the ball. I mean, you literally, I mean, you literally, this is it. You lose this game and the empire comes to an end, right? And so you got to pull out all the stops here. Um, so do you, do you think that's something that, that potentially affects this game? When you look at Oklahoma, everything's riding on this game. Oklahoma State's already punched their ticket. I'm not saying that they go easy. I, there's still a lot for Oklahoma State to play for as the college football playoff rankings really begin to take shape this mm-hmm. week as well as next week in, in championship week. So, again, there's still a lot in front of both of these teams. I don't think it's a game that either take lightly, but Oklahoma has a lot a lot more pressure to perform in this game than Oklahoma state does in terms of the big 12. Does it affect the game? Yeah, because all the pressure, in my opinion, again, I'm I'm previewing all the questions I'm going to ask Zach, all the pressures on the Oklahoma state sideline because they're the ones, like you just said, they have, they have everything to lose here because at number seven, technically they have a shot at the college football playoff. Um, they they they're in the Big 12 championship regardless, but there there's pressure here for Oklahoma State. Uh, there's a lot of talk coming from Mike Gundy, coming from Spencer Sanders, coming from other guys that this is it for Bedlam and Stillwater. This is the last hurrah. So they they're they are mounting pressure on themselves, which again bodes well for Oklahoma, not just from what they're saying in the terms of their words, but what those words mean. Because when the pressure's on, when, when Isaiah Thomas is breathing down your neck, are you going to eat the ball for a sack? Are you going to try to force something? The more pressure you you have on yourself, the more apt you're willing to force something. And that means opportunity for Oklahoma's defense. Now, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. But I just feel like, like yes, the, the pressure, I think Oklahoma can be loose. And we saw them. Last season, what, what happened? We saw them lose back-to-back weeks, Kansas State, Iowa State. And then they played an entire season in this mode that they're in right now. You lose another game, and you're and it's over. You lose another game, you won't qualify for Arlington. So they played an entire, you know, more than a half. You know, of, They had nine Big 12 games. So they played seven Big 12 games with their backs against the wall last season, winning all seven of them so they can qualify for for Arlington. And then they won in Arlington. So that's eight games that they won last season. Now they just got to win one. And I think that helps the chemistry and helps his team be loose and not tight. I don't know that there's any precedent on the other sideline for that same type of mentality. His second question that I'm throwing out because you mentioned utilizing drags, slants, some of these intermediate passes that mm-hmm. were there, for sure were there against Iowa State right. for Caleb Williams. Window opens as the player comes across it. You've got to trust your arm enough to get the ball there before that window collapses just by the, the nature of the movement 
of your receiver as well as the defender. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, Matt, I, I feel like this is a game where those opportunities are going to be there again. When we look at those opportunities presenting themselves, Alex, Alex Grinch and the defense, Lincoln Riley and the offense, do you think they got together and said, we need to emulate that scenario and get Caleb Williams comfortable throwing into those windows and trusting that his receivers will be there? Absolutely. Was that, was that what happened all week at practice? I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't at practice all week, but I, I want Caleb Williams riding that bus to Stillwater on Saturday morning with an iPad in his lap. Throwing from oh, bus to bus. I mean, just say, no, <laughs> with the I, open I window. Looking, all he has to do is look at the game film. Look at the film. We know he's right. what he's physically, we know what he's capable of doing. It's, it, but it's not, this is not an issue of physicality. This is an issue of where are his eyes and his eyes are deep. They don't need to be deep. They need to be shallow. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so he just needs to look at the offensive plays. And if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm giving him an iPad of offensive plays and I'm highlighting these underneath receivers that he stood in the pocket, ignoring, trying to make something, trying to wait for something to open up downfield. And, and so that. I, I want that, you know, Caleb, here's your headphones. Here's your iPad. Don't look up until we get to Stillwater because I'm sure he's gone over that over and over and over in practice this week. Mm-hmm. But I, I want that in his head all the way up until when he gets off the bus uh, at Boone Pickens Stadium. Yeah, the, re- the reason that I'm asking that question is because Oklahoma State seems to be able defensively to keep themselves f- from really falling victim to these long plays the defense is keeping everything in front of them i mean we can look at that statistically we can look at long plays from scrimmage we can look at long rushing plays as well as long passing plays and i can guarantee you that oklahoma state is going to lead the 10 plus category they're going to lead the conference in that statistical category needless to say oklahoma seems to want to take advantage of those things specifically caleb williams seems to want to take advantage of those it has to be a point of emphasis it's the one thing I believe that could make or break Oklahoma in this game is utilizing that intermediate passing game right. and throwing into those windows. If Caleb Williams completes those, those types of passes, Oklahoma has receivers who are capable of making things happen. Absolutely. You've got to get the ball to them first. And, and if you get stopped after you catch the ball, I mean, you, you catch the ball for a four-yard gain and you get brought down immediately for a four-yard gain, you do that three times, guess what, man? That's the first down. Right, right. And that's, that's what they've got to look at. So clearly when you're talking about something along those lines, that, that makes guys like Braden Willis, Jeremiah Hall, Austin Stogner, all the more valuable in, in those underneath routes because they're big guys that can body up and, and get up, you know, get up the tough catch that that's going to, that, I mean, those are going to be tough catches. Um, so when you look at offensive guys to watch, then what we're talking about, does that not make Caleb Williams like the key guy? Because it's really the success of this offense hinges on what he does with the ball in his hands. If he stays in the pocket, if he, if he doesn't run, if he doesn't look underneath all those things, this is a, a huge moment for a kid who has huge potential. Um, This, this is it. This is that, this, this is the opportunity to be a, what, what Texas was, when he was inserted for Spencer Rattler, this can take away from that, or this can add to that legacy based on what he does. So 
to me, we typically have quarterbacks off the table, but I think it's all on his shoulders this weekend. Yeah. One of the things, Matt, um, I know that I've liked to bring this up is, is Caleb Williams is still a true freshman, right? But at the end of the day, he's the starting quarterback and we can remove this true freshman label and just place upon him starting quarterback as a starting quarterback you have to deliver for your team I think he will be the key cog but I do believe you can also make an argument for Kennedy Brooks when you look at an individual who can share that responsibility who can take a lot of the pressure off of the quarterback it's it is naturally going to shift towards the the view of the running back so I think Kennedy Brooks has an equal role it's not as big of a load here to bur- to shoulder um, but he has a, an equal burden to really bear in this game because how he performs on the field is going to dictate in my opinion what Caleb Williams is capable of if we're going with the the individual who has to perform undoubtedly Caleb Williams but I think there should be a 1b to that and say Kennedy Brooks well, and also I think the guy that you feel should win the Grozo Award has a lot riding on, on his <laughs> shoulders and really what's between his ears. Uh, Gabe Burkage missing the last three field goals, uh, two against Baylor, one against Iowa State. And the one against Iowa State was just a chip shot that absolutely should have been made. Um, but I, I think Oklahoma's going to need him. I mean, I think I, I think this is a game where confidence, confidence is going to sway throughout this game to, from sideline to sideline. And – a turnover sways confidence and a missed field goal, Rich, that's, that that's right up there with a stop on fourth down. It's a turnover that sways confidence. They, they need Gabe Burkich to be automatic. They need him to make the big kicks. They just need to make a kick. I like the fact that you're looking in the direction of a kicker. However, I don't think that Gabe Burkich is the most important kicker that will be on the field for Oklahoma on Saturday. I believe that that I I look, I know what you're going to say with Michael Mm Turk, but I'm just talking about in the, in the, in the, in the area (laughs) of swinging momentum and points on the board, but yeah, go ahead and finish your thought about Michael Turk, because I know, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to finish saying, but it's a good thought. Yeah. Michael Turk, uh, you look at an all pac 12 player coming into the big 12, transferring to the university of Oklahoma, there was a lot, I I don't want to say pressure, but expectation that was placed upon him and punters do not by any stretch of the imagination, get any glory. In fact, the last puncher that I can remember having a really good following was Tress way. He was just a players or excuse me, uh, a fan favorite. I was going to say a player's player, but he is a fan favorite for whatever reason, Michael Turk maybe not has, maybe doesn't have that same personality, but he has a monster leg. And when you look at these defenses, Matt, when you look at what we believe that these defenses are going to be capable of, Michael Turk is going to step onto the field with the offense and attempt to flip it. We look at what he did against Iowa State. He punted the ball six times and yeah. a large a large reason why I think Oklahoma walked away with that is because three of those landed inside the twenty. They weren't touchbacks. They landed inside. They were down. They were recovered inside the 20. And Michael Turk, his average over those six punts was 54.8. Like I said, this is a kid who's got a monster leg. Oklahoma will definitely need to utilize him, and his talents will be on full display. Oklahoma has speed. That's on this special teams unit that can get downfield. 
And once again, I think they can flip it, but it will be vital in this battle of the defenses while we look at these offenses that are a little more prone, a little more susceptible to mistakes. Yeah, Michael Turk's a weapon, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and and I can't, I, I mean, I, I agree with you and I don't think there's anything, I'd be beating a dead horse to add anything to what you just said. It brings us to bold predictions for the offense. And um, Rich, mine, mine's bold, man. I'm just going to go out there and say, I, I think um, I think Kennedy Brooks and Caleb Williams surpass 100 rushing yards on the afternoon. Man, uh, both of them, I would have given you one because I think that leads to a win. Both of them, I don't. I just don't know what the outcome of that kind of a game would look like, and I'm not going to speculate on it. For me, Matt, when it comes to bold predictions, I'm really looking more towards the score than anything else. And usually when I look towards the score, it's because I'm going to say 30 points wins this game. I actually don't believe that to be the case. I think 21 points wins you the game on Saturday, which is a low-scoring affair, and I think bold in and of itself. Wow. Okay. Um, we got Zach Lowe coming up. True or false with him. Get his thoughts. We also got to talk a little bit of Thunder basketball since we've got him on the podcast. And then we'll be back and we're going to talk Oklahoma defense versus the Oklahoma State offense. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we've got a special edition of True or False this week with our man Zach Lowe coming in to give us a bedlam version of True or False. If you're a fan of our website, heartland-sports.com, you would recognize Zach's name because he covers the Thunder and the Cowboys for us. And uh, he's a uh, look. Are you? You're not the Thunder guys anymore, but you got to have. You guys had a like a, a a pretty big following there as the Thunder guys, and now you've transitioned that over to just Zach Lowe NBA. Give me your Twitter handle because off the top of my head, I'm not remembering it. Okay, it's not Zach Lowe NBA. That is the Zach Lowe. Oh, that's the Zach Lowe. So, (laughs) sorry. uh, This is a, no, no. It's a very common mistake that happens. And it's funny because there are a few, few different thunder uh fans you know twitter twitter guys that i follow that they recognize when the mistake happens and they enjoy poking fun at it so um it's fun fun to see that happen but mine is at zachary low nba and oh, gotcha. you know okay. i i thought about making it zach low nba since i spell my name slightly different than him because he's l-o-w-e i'm uh-huh. l-o-w and i thought well now that might be you know somebody's gonna think i'm trying to trying to boost off his cloud or something like that. And that, that's definitely not it. Trying to make a name for myself. So I, I do tend to re- remind people that's that's the ESPN guy. I'm the uh, the much more uh, relatable Zach Lowe that, can, you know, the, 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 the people's champion Zach Lowe, if you will. 
No, so, I know uh, like uh, Oklahoma fans obviously are familiar with Roy Williams, the the uh, great <laughs> safety, but he has the exact same thing with the former Kansas and North Carolina basketball coach Roy right. Williams, and it just provides. I mean, that that's the kind of Twitter content that I that I really like to follow along with. Now we're we're gonna talk clearly Bedlam here, but. I can't have you on and not get some thoughts of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm just going to I'm just going to throw it out here to you, Zach. Are, are they better or are they worse than what you expected them to be? Oh, I think they're probably pretty close to what I expected. Maybe maybe slightly better in some ways. But as far as what Vegas expected, as far as what the, the media narrative expected, I think they're they're way better, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, depending upon. Uh, which tanking strategy, theory, whatever you want to call it, you right. you subscribe to. So uh, I, I think they're about as good as what I expect. I think Josh Giddy specifically is much better than I had really even hoped for. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we got exactly what um, Sam Presti thought he was, uh, which is which is great because I, I think specifically Presti is very good at identifying and analyzing talent. And I think that's why he went with Giddy at six, which, you know, there's there's different sources that say there were other teams that were also looking at Giddy. So I, th I think that was a great pick. I think he's he's panning out already. And obviously he has his weaknesses. He's got a long ways to go to becoming um, that potential all star, which I think he can be. But I'm very happy with him. And as a team, like, I mean, I'm enjoying watching most nights. Uh, genuinely, I'm enjoying watching the games, win or lose. So tank or no tank? What, what's happening right now? Man, I don't even know. I think, uh, well, I mean, SGA's injured. Shea Gildas Alexander's injured. And I'm sure there's some authenticity, office, authenticity to his injury. But at the same time, they might have saw this as an opportunity. Like, hey, why don't we go ahead and sit you down for a few weeks? Maybe try to get a few losses out of this. Get back on track. Uh, some people will argue with me and say that's absolutely not the case. We should definitely push for that 10th seed so that we can get into the playing game just to get wiped and totally waste our chance at multiple draft picks. Um, I'm, I'm not that guy at all. I, I don't believe we have to be the absolute worst team in the league in order to benefit from the draft. Um, I would like to see us continue to fight in games and even win a few, especially when I'm there in the, in the present. It makes it a lot more fun for me as a season ticket holder when I'm present for some wins. Um, for example, I'm taking my, my younger son, Malachi. I'm taking him tonight. It's his very first Thunder game. I would love to somehow pull off an upset against the Jazz, even though I don't think that's going to happen. But in general, uh, I understand that the nature of the league, the way that it's set up and how it does not benefit small market teams and how we, we really do need um, a few more solid draft picks. We need to hit on some of those to maybe work it out in the long run to see get, get to where we want to be as a, you know, a contender once again. So I don't know if we're doing the, the traditional Philadelphia 76ers form of tanking where you just lose as much as you possibly can. Uh, I think it is more of a uh, continuing to build on what we've got, but at the same time, we're not actively seeking out, you know, trades that are going to totally mm -hmm. swing it for us or, or signing any free agents. I know there's not a lot of guys really available or anything like that. I think we are focusing on development, which is absolutely as a basketball coach, I love seeing guys develop. I love seeing guys get opportunities that they wouldn't in a normal organization where winning is the total focus. So for me, that, that aspect of it is a lot of fun. I know for the casual fan, that's absolutely not it. Uh, I saw somebody on Facebook throwing this giant fit about how we won't, we won't go to another game until this franchise cares about winning again. And uh, obviously that's, that's an, uh, 
a, a casual fan's perspective. They don't really understand the way that, that the NBA works. If that's, not, that's how you're not viewing. seeing the long game so, there. Absolutely. All right. So you can get uh, Zach on heartland sports.com. He's got uh, previews and he's got several post game thoughts uh, throughout the season. Also, you can catch Zach Craig and I at heartland sports.com because we kind of give you our thoughts before each game against the spread, which just kind of gives another different aspect. The game within the game is like uh, how I like to describe that. But let's jump in. Bedlam football this Saturday. Um, Big 12 championship berth is on the line for the Sooners. The Cowboys have already punched their ticket to Arlington. And I think as an OSU fan, they would like nothing worse than to be able to say, we brought Oklahoma's reign of terror on the Big 12 to an end uh, by winning this Saturday in, um, in Stillwater. So, Zach, before we jump into true or false, give me your personal best and worst Bedlam memories as an Oklahoma State fan. My best memory is probably the one that I talk about the most to prove how true of an Oklahoma State fan I really am. Um, And that's because it happened in the 2001 Bedlam game. Whenever Oklahoma State was in Norman, Josh Fields or Sean Mm -hmm. Woods in the corner. And the reason that I not not just because I can remember that as a kid or celebrating or, you know, being a fan at the time. It's the fact that we did not have cable TV at that time. So I had to listen to the game on the radio. And, and my, my wife mocks me because Dave Hunziker is one of the, you know, voice of cowboy, right. uh, voice of cowboy radio. I can recognize his voice amongst many other voices. He's one of the few voices on this planet that I'll recognize as soon as I hear it because I listen to it so much. So listening to that game on the radio, listening to that, that touchdown pass, uh, I still vividly remember that moment as a, I think I was what, 12, 13 years old, listening to the radio, listening to that game. So that, that's probably my favorite, just because uh, as, a, as a young athlete um, of a fan of a team that was not good, I think that was the Cowboys' fourth win of that season, if I'm remembering correctly, which was a pretty good season, I might add, for the time. Uh, it it kind of cemented in my mind, you know, you don't have to be the best team to win a game. You just have to be better that day. And right. so upsets happen. Being an underdog is a lot of fun. Whenever you're Oklahoma State and you're playing in Bedlam, you're underdog a lot. Um, so I, I got used to that, uh, just that mentality of, you know, maybe this is another year. It's been it's been 10 years since we've won. Maybe we can finally get another one, you know, whatever it is. So that's kind of the mentality that I've held over the time. That's that's probably my favorite. My, my worst Bedlam memory is going to be 2000. Was it 13 when there was the big snowstorm prior? Oh, that's in Stillwater. Stillwater. Right, right, yeah. It was in Stillwater. Yeah. All week that week, I I was a second-year teacher at my school, and one of the few Oklahoma State fans around, everybody's asking me, hey, you going to the game this weekend? Because I think Oklahoma State was favored. Mm -hmm. That was uh, You're talking about the Blake Bell year, right? Yes, exactly. Jalen Saunders. You know know where I'm (laughs) going with this. So – Everybody's asking, hey, you going to the game? And I'm like, no, have you seen the weather? It's going to be awful. I wouldn't go if somebody gave me tickets. Well, sure enough, two days before, one of my best friends is like, hey, I got an extra ticket to Bedlam. You want to go? I was like, heck, yeah, I want to go. So I get all bundled up and I go. And that's legitimately the coldest I have ever been in my entire life. When people talk about they can't feel their feet, I, I genuinely could not feel my feet. It's the coldest mm-hmm. I've ever been. And, you know, it was a close game, real back and forth. And I really felt like at the end, I just, I did not have a good feeling with the way things were going. Right. I was like, please don't let this be another heartbreaker. And then sure enough, it was. And 
the whole ride home, I was like, I'm freezing cold. I'm just not getting feeling back into my, my extremities. And we lost, I was so disappointed. So, but, but that, that day kind of wrapped up what Bedlam is for me. Uh, So often it's so much hope, so much excitement and it ends in heartbreak. So, (laughs) but every year it's a new year and I, I still, I, you know, I get hope whether, you know, regardless of who's ranked where and who's favored and how good the teams are and everything like that. Um, I think a lot of that goes out the window whenever it comes down to Bedlam because it's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. Well, let's jump into the, your, your some more specific thoughts. We've got five statements. This is how true or false works. I'm going to throw out five statements. You're going to tell me. Now, you don't know these statements. So they're just going to be fresh in your, in your brain when you hear them. You're going to tell me whether this is the statement is true or it's false, and, uh, and then you're going to tell me the, the rationale behind uh, the statement that you're going to make. So we're going to start off with, uh, with uh, Jim Knowles, who's a, a finalist uh, for the Bryles Award, uh, Oklahoma State defensive coordinator. Uh, Alex Grinch, Oklahoma's defensive coordinator, gets a lot of talk. Uh, it, Texas Tech kind of put an inquiry in on him, Arizona last year. But here's the statement, true or false, Jim Knowles right now is actually a hotter coaching commodity than Oklahoma defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. I'm going to say false just because of name and brand. Uh, as far as quality, I think it's clear that Knowles has had, uh, in his tenure, his short tenure in Stillwater, he has only made the defense better every single year. Obviously, this year's defense, uh, the Cowboys, one of the best in the nation. I wouldn't go so far to say they're better than Georgia. Uh, I've heard a couple people say that, and I don't know if they're Oklahoma State fans or what. I wouldn't go that far uh, just because you're talking number one team in the country. I, I, would, I wouldn't say that. Definitely not yet. But as far as the Big 12, to me, I've been saying uh, really since the Iowa State game, at least, that this is the best defense in the Big 12. Uh, I think they've shown it time in, you know, week in, week out, that they're, that they're able to stop opponents. And not just – and I get it. This might be considered kind of a down year for Big 12 offenses. But at the same time, every week teams come out and compete, and that's why you've had so much parity in the middle mm-hmm. when it comes to the Big 12. And we've seen a lot of high-scoring games. It hasn't been all low scoring. But – Oklahoma State's continue to stop offenses no matter what they throw at them. And they've done it in a lot of different ways. It's not just been, you know, stopping the run game or only stopping the pass game. It's been a mixture of both. They make big plays. They don't give up big plays, those types of things. So I think the defense is playing really well. But uh, Alex Grinch has that Oklahoma brand, and that alone makes him a name in conversations. And so um, it's not that he's had a terrible season. It's not that he's had a bad few seasons. You know, he's, I think he's a great coach. I genuinely do. I just think part of it's had to do with uh, – I know Oklahoma's dealt with a lot of injuries over the last couple seasons mm-hmm. in particular, and, and that's definitely affected the way things have gone. So even though he's having a down year, I still think he could be a name that pops up more often than the Knowles just because of brand, because of Oklahoma. I mean, I think that makes, makes the world of a difference. All right, fair enough. Let's go to the second one. This is going to be a top 10 matchup thanks to the latest release of the college football playoff rankings. Oklahoma checking in at 10. Oklahoma State at number seven. So the Cowboys, uh, not only are they a four-point favorite to beat Oklahoma in Bedlam, they are ranked four spots higher in the college football playoff poll, which many would argue that puts them within striking distance of a top four ranking in the college football playoff. So here we go, Zach, true or false. All the pressure on Saturday is clearly on the Oklahoma State sideline in this Bedlam matchup. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I feel like th- there's the there's the the pressure that, that's on Oklahoma that comes down to, you know, 
they're like, I can't even remember. Is it 30 time big 12 champs? I know big 12 hasn't been around that long, but it sure seems like that. Uh, Oklahoma wins the big 12 in football. That's all there is to it. So there's the pressure of, we always win. We've got to win da, 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 all that stuff. But as far as Oklahoma state goes, there is plenty of pressure that almost, I almost feel like shouldn't be there because they have already far surpassed anybody's expectations on what they were going to accomplish this season. I think Vegas had them pegged at it was like seven and a half games wins was, was the, was the spread preseason. And I thought that was about right. I genuinely thought if we win eight games, I feel like we will have played well and done what we've needed to do to become poll eligible. And that's where we're at. That's fine. But the fact that they're 10 and one uh, already got a place in the big 12 championship game and still have a, I feel like a reasonable chance, maybe not a great chance, but a reasonable chance to make the college football playoff. I think all of that pressure builds and that definitely puts it on them. Whereas Oklahoma, it's like they lost the one. And so if they manage to obviously get into the big 12 championship, great. That's what, that's what they do. And then if they somehow manage to get into the college football playoff after it's all said and done, they'll be considered, I mean, they'll, they'll consider themselves blessed to be able to do that. So as far as pressure goes, I mean, obviously they don't want to lose this, but I think there is an element of uh, a lack of pressure when you are considered the underdog, whenever you are not being looked at as the hottest team. And I feel like at this point, Oklahoma State's due for a Bedlam win. I can't remember how long it's been. I know it hasn't been quite as long as it has been uh, during other streaks, but it's been, is it five years? See what Tyreek Kill, right? 2016? I think so. Yeah, that's what, that's, that's that's, what I'm thinking. We're talking about all-time best and worst bedlam memories. Rich and I talked about that earlier in the podcast, and that's uh, that's definitely worse for me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think – and I'm just going to jump in here. I do think that there is pressure on an Oklahoma State sideline for all the things that you mentioned, but also – I think there's added pressure because you, and we're going to get to this here in just a minute, but you got Spencer Sanders saying that this is it for Bedlam and Stillwater. You got Mike Gundy saying, I, I don't think Bedlam's coming back to Stillwater after Oklahoma right. leaves for the SEC. And so they're, they're putting a lot of pressure on going out with the bang. And so when you, you talk about the big 12 championship, which is very much in reach, even with the Bedlam loss, you talk about the college football playoff, very much in reach with the Bedlam win. Um, but then you got that extra pressure that they're putting on themselves to to go out kind of in style uh, with with the bedlam a bedlam win in Stillwater. So uh, you you look at the coaches, you look at the players. There, there's big names all all across the board uh, on this field and on these sidelines. But true or false, Zach, this game most likely is going to be decided by two factors: turnovers and penalties. Uh, one hundred percent agree. That's 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 so true. And I want to take it a step for even further. I think it's going to come down to quarterback turnovers. Mm. If Spencer Sanders or Caleb Williams, uh, if either one of them is careless with the ball, that is going to be a major deciding factor. And uh, I, I tend, the, the way that they're both playing, I feel a little bit more confident than I would have even a few weeks ago. Spencer yeah. Sanders has done a pretty good job. He hasn't turned the ball over nearly as much if at all over the last few weeks. Um, he seems like he's playing more consistently. And the thing is, Oklahoma State doesn't need a Heisman performance from Spencer Sanders. That's not going to happen. If it does, then I don't, I don't know what world, what cloud nine I'm going to be on because it's going to be uh, totally unexpected. They just need consistency. And what that means is, like you said, uh, not turning the ball over. And then ultimately, as, as an offense, penalties, they need to go away. Uh, the offensive line has dealt with some injuries, which I know Oklahoma's offensive line has. They, they had a couple starters out last week as well. So depending upon who's in, that consistency on the line, that's going to mess with, uh, you know, drawing some offsides calls, some holding calls, which 
the Cowboys have definitely dealt with at different times over the last few weeks. I want to see them be more consistent in that aspect. So, um, but, but I agree if there's a team that I, I think probably whoever wins the turnover battle is probably going to win the game, especially if we get into multiple turnovers, uh, it's going to make a huge impact. And I think that could ultimately even be a deciding factor in how close the game is. If, if one team uh, goes plus two, in enforcing turnovers, then I think it could turn into a blowout either way. But mm-hmm. by blowout, I mean multiple touchdowns. So I don't know. I, I would like to see a clean game uh, really from both teams. So, so it comes down to whoever can win it in the trenches. But I, I because the weather is going to be nice, I think perhaps uh, that will help with uh, uh, not forcing anything, not, not creating turnovers. But at the same time, when you bring pressure into it, you've got Spencer Sanders. He's never won Bedlam. Oklahoma State could use a bedlam win, a lot on the line. Not you know, Big Twelve championship, they're already there. College football playoff is in, is hanging in the balance. Then you've got on the other side a freshman quarterback and Caleb Williams, his first bedlam experience. But we've already seen him rise to the occasion. You look at Red River rivalry and what he did; uh, those were some pretty big moments. So, I think when it comes down to it, those two are really going to be the biggest indicator as to which which way the uh, the game can swing if they can both take care of the ball or not. Okay, we alluded to this just uh, a few minutes ago. Mike Gundy, when he met with the media this week, he talked about the future of Bedlam um, and and asking more specifically if Bedlam will continue once Oklahoma departs for the SEC. I'm going to read you Mike Mike Gundy's quote because that's where the true or false statement comes from. Uh, Mike Gundy says, I don't think it will in regards to Bedlam continuing. And then he says this, I just don't think there's a business side of it. I don't think there's a business side of it. True or false? Mike Gundy's nuts. I don't even know what he means by that. So I'm I'm thinking money. I mean, I'm thinking sellout. I'm thinking, you know, to get a Bedlam ticket in Stillwater, you pretty much have to be a season ticket holder. And regardless of whether it's in Stillwater or Norman, people come out of the woodwork for this game. Local business, university business, television contract business this is crazy to say that there's just not a business side of it i to me i that's the mike gundy i mean he he kind of shoots from the hip sometimes and says some yeah. stuff off the cuff but to me I, i'm answering the question for you this was one of the most ridiculous things i've ever heard mike gundy say i would well i mean he said plenty of ridiculous so let's not let's not jump to, to that just yet i would like to hear some more context by what he means uh, he probably didn't say it in the moment, but as far as business goes to me, I feel like business goes through the roof as soon as the Sooners mm-hmm. leave. And now you've got a rivalry matchup between two former conference foes at that point, especially if we go a few years here without a Bedlam game. Yeah. Uh, like realistically, OU could still probably will still be in the Big 12, maybe one more year at the mm-hmm. most. So we've got one more Bedlam in Norman. And after that, who's to say when the next one is? I feel like they, they do their non-conference schedules like almost a decade out at a lot of times. So it could be a very long time before there's another one, but if they can get that first one booked, I don't care if it's 2037 or whatever, people are going to be like, I'm going to that game Mm -hmm. because if we're looking 15, 20 years down the line, who knows where the programs are going to be at, but anybody that's anybody is going to want to be at one of those games. It's just, so I don't understand as far as business goes. I feel like you, you go 15 or 20 years without a, a rivalry game without Bedlam, then all of a sudden you have one like that's to me, that's you're, you're going to be able to you can make any type of merchandise you want. People are going to be buying. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. So here we go. I'm bringing it into the very last one. 
uh, sticking with comments that uh, the guys have made uh, meeting with the media this week. And Spencer Sanders guaranteed victory. Uh, he he let it know uh, be known that he, with Gundy, believes that this is the final bedlam in Stillwater. He also let it be known that he's pretty irritated by the fact that uh, Oklahoma players and fans bring up the overall series loss and all that stuff. And he basically says... That doesn't matter on Saturday because we all, and this is exact words, we all know what's going to happen. And then he went on to guarantee victory in this game. Uh, true or false, Sanders should not have gone that far. I'm going to say false that he shouldn't have gone that far. Uh, I personally wouldn't go that far because my my perspective on pregame trash talk is just don't. Right. I, I, you know, if, if an opponent, I don't care what sport it is, if it's me being a fan of a team or me coaching one of my teams and hearing somebody talk, I, what, whatever it is, my general response is we'll see. And we will. That, that, mm-hmm. that is a factual statement that, that involves no, no, uh, no one-sidedness whatsoever. We'll see. Now, um, I feel like Sanders, that's, I think he's saying what he pretty much has to say as, as a quarterback, as a leader of his team. Uh, I think that's what, it's just like, I'm sure you heard Tay Martin's uh, commentary again. Right. He, Tay Martin, he's not from here. He doesn't know. Gabe Eichard, he took major issue with it. I don't know if you've heard any of his commentary. He's bringing up uh, a lot of things from the past. He's bringing up the record. I agree with Spencer Sanders. That record, it, yeah, it does stand. Does it Does it factor into the game tiny little bit? Maybe more for Mike Gundy than anybody on that Oklahoma State sideline. But as far as the players on the field, they don't care about an overtime and an overall record. It doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect what's accomplished this season. It doesn't affect what's going to continue to happen uh, in that game next week, you know, in the Big 12 championship or anything beyond that. It doesn't factor into them nearly as much as it might somebody who's been around Stillwater for, for what is it now, 40 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 as a player and a coach, yeah. Yeah, a long time. Mike Gundy's mm-hmm. been around for a very long time. And so – because of that, I think it affects him personally more than it does anybody else. But Spencer Sanders, I mean, this is his third year. Uh, did he did he even play in Bedlam last year? Was no, he, he did, and that and that's why that's why I wondered if he went too far because you remember there was a lot of trash talk um, last year had leading up to this game in Norman, and then Spencer Sanders basically checked himself out of the game about the twenty third time Ronnie Perkins threw him to the ground. Um, okay. And that's that's what I'm wondering, man. You, you know, last year you didn't even finish the game, and now this year. Right. Uh, you're up there talking pretty big. So I was just wondering if, you know, based off what happened in Norman last year, I, I think if I'm Spencer Sanders, I'm taking the approach you're saying, I, we'll see what happens. You know, I feel confident, but we'll see what happens. I, I don't think I would stand up and guarantee uh, victory right. in that six. I don't think you ever, I don't care what, what the game is. I don't think you ever guarantee victory unless it's just low stakes and it doesn't really matter. Like I'll, I'll trash talk anybody when it comes to playing video games. Cause that, that has no hold over me in life. I can, I can talk all I want. And then if I lose, I have no problem with admitting I was wrong. Yeah. I lost. When you're talking about something like this, uh, a rivalry game. I mean, this is, this is high stakes and yeah, they get a chance to play again. You know, if OU does win, there's a chance to play again in a week. Mm. Even if OU doesn't win, if Baylor loses, there's a chance to play again right. in another week. So there's that, but still I, <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know that Spencer Sanders, all of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State fans want to win this game. They want to win the next one, and they want a chance at a college football playoff. So uh, I, I agree with you. I personally wouldn't say it. I would, that's not the approach I would take. But as far as as far as him leading the team, maybe he's trying to instill some confidence and let everybody know, hey, guys, I got this. And I feel like he probably has earned uh, a different level of respect because of the way he's played in the second half mm-hmm. of the season. But, uh, again, I – 
I, I need everybody to know I'm not trash talking going into this weekend. I don't care what records are. I don't care what rankings are. I don't care what, what statistical rankings are. Uh, Oklahoma State's defense ranks first in so many different categories, uh, blah, blah, blah. None, that All of that goes out the window as soon as you put Bedlam on top of the, mm-hmm. the matchup. That's all that matters. So I'm not trash talking going into the game. And I, and I won't afterwards, regardless of how it goes, just because that's, that's not really in my nature. Uh, but obviously I want to see Oklahoma State win. And uh, I, I can back up Spencer Sanders wanting to take a, maybe a little, little too cocky attitude into the weekend. All right, Zach, one of the things that we didn't uh, put out uh, promotional for you is you also run the Heartland Sports Oklahoma State Twitter handle, which I'm sure you'll be pretty active on Saturday evening. Let uh, let any of, any of the listeners, uh, Oklahoma fans who want to tune in and see what you're saying or any of your uh, Oklahoma State brethren who are jumping in, where, where can they find you on Twitter, uh, specifically with Oklahoma State? Yeah, you can follow me at Heartland Pokes. Uh, I'll be on there uh, pregame, during the game for sure. Uh, obviously, depending upon how the game goes, will be my <laughs> frequency of tweeting. Uh, I have a tendency to want to back off um, if there's not a whole lot of good happening. But I'll, I'll try to stay consistent. And I'll, I'm always down for engaging in conversation, especially if it's friendly, whether it's uh, agreeing or disagreeing. That's why, I, you know, I can handle the, the Twitter heat. I've been in the game for a while, so I've dealt with my fair share of uh, people who have something to say. But anyways, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for sure. All right. Well, Zach, thanks so much for your time. I wish you you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving, uh, but also the Oklahoma fan of me wishes you a very miserable Saturday (laughs) evening. I appreciate it. Right back at you, man. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. As always, we want to thank Zach. It's always good to have him on. We don't have him on enough. Um, actually, I can't even remember the last time we had him on. I know I know it's happened before, but um, it is what it is. Um, Rich, when, when you look at this Oklahoma State offense, do you feel like they are more or less potent than Iowa State? Um, it really depends on which Spencer Sanders shows up. (laughs) And I, I think that's a fair assessment of this Oklahoma state program. When we look at really the bread and butter for them, I I do believe that falls more in terms or more in line with the rushing attack and what Jalen Warren has done since transferring to Oklahoma state university. Are they, do they have the receivers That Iowa State has, I don't know that I'm willing to go that far, um, but they definitely have a more mobile 
quarterback in Spencer Sanders. I think they're capable of doing damage. It's just the decision-making that has left me scratching my head a lot of the time with this Oklahoma State offense. If they, more specifically, Spencer Sanders makes poor decisions, it, I, I do believe that that's something that will sway the outcome of this game. I just don't know. I don't have this gut instinct that it's going to happen or that it won't happen. So to answer your question, Matt, I, I think Iowa State – has me a little more on edge than Oklahoma State's offense. Well, there's no doubt that that this offense began to kind of find its way, its its identity, if you will, after Jalen Warren took over as the guy to run the offense from from the from the ground and pound perspective. But I, I do agree. There's no. I don't feel like there's a Charlie Kolar. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson on this team. And that's, that's no disrespect. There's no slight to Tay Martin and, and, and those guys, because they do have, they have guys. You're just like, it, it, when, when Charlie Kolar beats you, you're like, man, we knew he was good. Why was he not double teamed? Right. But then when Tay Martin beats you or one of these other guys in Oklahoma state has, you're just kind of like, how does he do that? How does that keep happening? You know, there's right. two different two different perspectives. They're both good. It's just the way you approach your your mindset towards those guys. And I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I feel like you look at the defensive game plan against Iowa State, and it's and it's really to me it's a warm up for what you're going to do to Oklahoma State or what you're going to attempt to do with Oklahoma State, and that is limit the running game, dominate the line of scrimmage, and then get after the quarterback. And I do believe, I firmly believe, as prone to turning the ball over as Brock Purdy has been, so has Spencer Sanders. And and don't forget, we saw Spencer Sanders. I know he stood in front of the microphone this week. He spoke with confidence. He guaranteed victory for Oklahoma State. I get all that. But also, let's not forget, this kid checked himself out of the game last season uh, because of Ronnie Perkins and that Oklahoma defensive front. Now, Ronnie Perkins is clearly gone, but you got Isaiah Thomas, you got Jalen Redman, you you got Perry and Winfrey, you got Nick Benito. I mean, they're going to be coming after him. Is he mentally ready for this? So you take the exact same game plan because that hit that Perry on Winfrey put on Brock Purdy, that mentally messed Brock Purdy up for two and a half quarters. Can they do the same thing to Oklahoma State? And and this is where the rubber meets the road for me. I, I think it's going to be a grind-out attack when you talk about Oklahoma's offense versus the Oklahoma State defense. Oklahoma, the, the, where they're going to sway momentum and have the chance to win this game is what happens on this side of the ball right here. Can they limit Jalen Warren? Can they bring the same 11 tackles behind the line of scrimmage last week? For this Oklahoma defense, 22 tackles behind the line of scrimmage the last two games. Can they bring that same tenacity to Stillwater and make things happen that swing the momentum and that put Oklahoma in plus position in terms of, of, of yard uh, field position? This this is going to be the same game plan that they had against Iowa State, the same game plan they had against Baylor. And as an Oklahoma fan looking for confidence, here it is. That game plan against Baylor was okay. They finally cracked late third quarter into the fourth quarter. It was way better against Iowa State. Now they're three weeks in to the same type of game plan. Can they do it? I, I, I feel like you should have a little bit of confidence 
as an Oklahoma fan going into Stillwater because of the way they played defense the previous two weeks. Yeah, I, I do agree. Once again, surprise, surprise. I'm going to agree with you out of the gun here. When we're looking at Oklahoma, I, I think the focus obviously is going to be placed on Jalen Warren. Anytime a defense can come in with the mindset and actually successfully complete this, it sets them up to not only be competitive, but to put themselves in a very favorable position. And that's to make an opposing offense one-dimensional. Oklahoma has been excellent in the run defense. Yes, there have been some blips. Yes, Baylor, the fourth quarter happened with Abram Smith. We, we all know that Oklahoma isn't perfect, but when you can come in and you can really limit the rushing attack of a guy like a Warren who has been the heartbeat, who has been that centerpiece of this offense and force a guy like Spencer Sanders to throw to beat you again, I think it puts you in a very favorable position. Saying that, Matt, though, and doing that are two completely different things. And when you look at the mobility of a guy like Spencer Sanders, when you look at the athleticism of a guy like Spencer Sanders, all of a sudden your defensive ends are, are having to draw different responsibilities. Your linebackers are obviously filling more holes, attempting not only to potentially play a spy to Spencer Sanders, but come up in run support on Jalen Warren. There's a lot that will be going on mentally. There's a lot to take into consideration when attacking this offense. But ultimately I think Alex Grinch can begin to, put players in a position where the game is one slower this late in the season. And two is where they've, they've really just simplified their game plan. It doesn't need to be anything complicated here. Oklahoma did fantastic last week with three man stunts. I think we see a bit more of that from this defensive line. I think you utilize the speed of a guy like Nick Benito and you cause a little bit of havoc in the backfield, but then you have to have the players on the edge who can stretch those out, which is where I think the safeties become very vital. Patrick Fields, the Laren Turner yell coming up and, and lowering the boom, if if I can use that terminology here. But when those plays get stretched out, the, those corners, those safeties, the defensive backs are going to have to be the ones who come up and make the stop because I just don't believe a guy like Jalen Redmond. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is a little iffy for me, but I don't know that the, these defensive ends are quite fast enough to keep up with Sanders. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like if, uh, if, if Isaiah Thomas is barreling down on you, I, I, I think he's probably quicker than, than what you might think. No, that's what at, I'm saying. He's, I mean, he's the guy I give the nod to. Well, I mean, now Jalen Redmond had the, the rumble. Exactly. All the way to I mean, he, he ran the entire Iowa state <laughs> offense last week. Um, I, I think when you look at keys to the game for Oklahoma defensively, it, it's what we're talking about. It starts up front. It starts by dominating the line of scrimmage and, and, they're in a good position because this is a banged up Oklahoma state offensive line. So even if they can't get all the way in to sack uh, Sanders or to stop Jalen Warren behind the line of scrimmage, I think that they're going to be in position to draw some holding penalties against a banged up offensive line. So that pressure, that winning right at the nose of the ball, winning right up front, that is huge uh, for this defense. And I think that's, that's where it starts for me. Number one, you got to win at the point of attack, the line of scrimmage. Yeah, if I'm going to throw out a number one, it, it's 
very much so in line with what you're saying. I expect a heavy dose of, of Jalen Warren, Warren in the early downs. And so I think you have to win first and second down and put Oklahoma State into these obvious passing situations. Um, I, I, Matt, I just feel like it's so obvious um, when I state those things, but I know how difficult of a task that is. And so I don't want it to come off as me saying that on a whim, me kind of flippantly throwing that out there and saying, oh yeah, this will happen every single time up and down the field. This is a tall task. Um, but again, I said, if you could make a, a, an offense one dimensional, that you've got a really good shot. And even if that's making them one dimensional for two downs, you've got a really good shot on that series to get that fourth down punt. Can I say it that way? Is that, is that okay? Yeah, that makes makes sense to me because that kind of brings me to my second thing, which goes right along with that is first contact tackling. They, they did a fantastic job of keeping everything. You talked about this with Oklahoma State defense. Oklahoma was fantastic at this last week against Iowa State. First contact tackling. First guy there, if he doesn't bring the ball carrier down, he holds on to the second guy. But you didn't see whiffing. You didn't see guys getting pushed off. First contact tackling has to be a priority because if you're going to win at the line of scrimmage, if you're going to win first and second down, like you just said, Rich, then you got to, you got to do that by making first contact tackling, making that little swing pass, a, a, an even, even gain at the line of scrimmage or a one or two yard gain, instead of getting the first guy to miss and them getting six, seven yards downfield. And then to me also, it's, it's, it's about the number three would be um, your defensive ends. They, they got to, they've got to contain. We, we talked about running quarterbacks and, I don't, I don't even think I'd put Spencer Sanders on par with a guy like uh, Gary Bohannon, but he, he's still mobile. He can still hurt you with his legs. So there, you got to have a sense of containment with your defensive end. So for me, there's, there's three things there. Win the line of scrimmage, first contact tackling, and then contain. Yeah, the only thing I'm going to add to this mix, if I'm game planning, is to try to force things towards the sideline. For Oklahoma, I know that – with DeLaren Turner yell on the field, communication obviously increases. Organization on the backside of this defense obviously takes a step forward. However, Oklahoma has the speed, I think, to compete in, with anyone in the country in terms of this defense. And so if you're stretching things towards the sideline, if you continuously push things towards the edge, I don't think you're giving up too, too many yards. But it starts with what you said, and that's why I'm tacking it on. It starts with tackling at first contact. If the yards after contact goes above five and starts getting, I, I say above five, if it's at five, that's a problem because that's basically a first down every two, every two plays. Oklahoma simply can't do that. Like I said, I think they've got the speed to push things towards the edge and to actually bring that ball carrier down when it does happen. So give me your uh, defensive guy to watch. Who, who, who are you looking at on Saturday? Yeah, this one's going to be an easy one for me, and that's Jalen Redmond. I'm not looking at what he does statistically. I'm looking at how he affects the game as a whole. When Jalen Redmond is in the lineup, the number of pressures in the backfield and the sack number goes up almost exponentially. You're looking at 1.4 without him on the field and 3.7 with him on the field. So the way that he impacts what this defensive line is capable of doing, the way that he impacts the way offenses are focused, 
I, I think it speaks volumes of the talent that he is. But again, he's my key because of how he affects it just by his presence. I've got Jalen Redman as well. Um, again, great, great breakdown there. Great analogy um, with analysis with him. I can't use the right words here. Great analysis with him. Um, but the other thing is we talk, I just mentioned defensive ends having to contain. So that means they're not going to, they shouldn't be crashing as much. So the pressure on Spencer Sanders is going to come by way of Jalen, Jalen Redman. And so that's why I think he's a guy that you definitely want to keep an eye on for this Oklahoma defense. Um, give me your bold prediction, Rich, for the Oklahoma defense. Matt, I, I'm not going to go with a score uh, in this <laughs> game. I, I do think turnovers happen, but I'm not going to go with a score. Here's what I'm going to say in my bold prediction is that Oklahoma does not fall susceptible to fourth down. Is that an extremely bold prediction? Probably not, but I'm looking at what Iowa State did and how successful they were on those fourth downs because it is fourth and one. And then I look at what happened in it later in the stages of the game, the third and fourth quarter. Oklahoma made some adjustments there, specifically in the fourth quarter with their safeties coming up to stop that run. I do expect this one to come down to a couple fourth down conversions um, for Oklahoma State to attempt those to keep these drives alive. As I said, I think this one is a low scoring affair and every single first down is going to matter. So going forward on fourth down from Mike Gundy would not surprise me, but I think Oklahoma comes up and, and actually wins those ones, those ones, wins those downs and does not allow a single fourth down conversion. My, my bold prediction is this. Keep in mind, special teams technically is a part of the defense. I burned my defensive score last week with Jalen Redmond's rumbling, bumbling, stumbling touchdown yeah, hat tip to Chris Berman. Um, but I'm going with special teams touchdown this week, Rich. I, I think this is a week OU scores on special teams. Somehow, some way, you get a special team score. Um, that's, that's what I'm uh, going for, man. Are, is Oklahoma State going to punt twice? I hope okay, they punt. Let, let me rephrase that. I when I say punt, punt about twice, 20 times. I mean, I mean, are they going to punt it to the most dangerous punt returner in the country and then call a timeout and do the exact Stop. same no, thing? No, it was a penalty, okay? <laughs> it wasn't a timeout. It was a penalty. And that's my all-time worst Bedlam moment right there. Um, <laughs> we talked with Zach hey, about I'm, that. I'm sorry. Bit. I'm sorry. Uh, just Tyreek Hill, man. I, I, that, man, that's – never mind. I'm just you, – you got me going down a, a, a dark path. A deep, uh, dark that. road. Yes. Um, give me um, give me something we haven't talked about. Is there, is there any intangibles with this game? Because we're going to do our, our score predictions here in just a second when we do the Big 12 rundown. But is there anything with this game that we haven't talked about? Man, I, I don't really know. I, I don't know that there's any one specific topic that I would focus in on and say that it needs to be discussed. But I do want to highlight some of these Oklahoma State players, because we talk so much about Oklahoma, even though at Heartland Sports, Oklahoma, the Sooners, as well as the Oklahoma State Cowboys are covered. And, and when we're looking at Oklahoma State, I just don't think there's enough attention being given to Tay Martin. Wide receiver Tay Martin. You look at what he did last week. Um, containing him is going to be a tall task. I don't know who's going to draw that responsibility for Oklahoma. I, I would like to say a guy like DJ Graham would be out there just because of his length. But at the end of the day, has he been replaced? Is Key Lawrence the guy that, that we're looking at moving yeah. forward for Oklahoma and into the bowl game? 
And, and you know, here's the thing though, with Key Lawrence is the guy seems to be a turnover machine. I, I mean, that's, and that's kind of what Alex Grinch is looking at. I mean, can it, can a guy get out there and get the ball back? And he's starting to prove that he's that guy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And now I know that we talked about last week for me, I say last week in hindsight of the Iowa state game on Sunday in our recap podcast, I said that his future was at cornerback for me. Right. It wasn't at safety. It wasn't at nickelback. It was, it was at corner. Undoubtedly. If I was the head coach, if I was Alex Grinch, his numbers being called as a cornerback every single time. I, yeah. I mean, I, again, you, you look at the results. I, I don't, I don't see how you can, how you can go against that. Final weekend of Big 12 action. All um, all 10 teams are, are going up against one another. And it's crazy, Rich. The season has come and gone. Here we are at the end of November. Uh, the Big 12 weekend actually gets underway on Friday, Black Friday, 11 a.m. kickoff between Kansas State and Texas. The Wildcats traveling to Austin, Texas. Texas has nothing left to play for other than pride. And some might even argue that that even is gone. However, the Longhorns are a three-point favorite in this game. Over under set at 52 and a half. Uh, take the over. Um, a lot of this hinges on Skylar Thompson, who's once again injured and questionable whether he plays or not in this game. I, I don't know that it matters just because I don't I don't know what Texas has left, Rich. I, I don't I, I don't know what I, I just I don't know what their mentality is. I don't know what their mindset is. I don't even, I you just kind of get the feeling. Like this is a Texas team that could go out in the field and just say, man, let's just get it over with. Let's just get this thing over with. There's no bowl game. We hate our coach. We hate our university. Let's do this and hit the transfer portal or whatever, right? Or you feel like they can flip the switch and say, this is it, man. This is our last chance. Let's get this win. Let's go into the offseason on a high note. And I don't, I honestly don't know which Texas team is going to show up. I, I, I feel like Texas is going to win this game. But I also said that same thing about West Virginia last week. So here's what I'm confident uh -huh. in telling you. I'm confident in telling you <laughs> to take the over in this game. Over under is 52 and a half. Take the over. That's what I have confidence because I don't know what else to say after that. When it comes to Texas, for me, I, I felt like this season is a wash. Um, that there's nothing to play for. No bowl eligibility for the program and if anybody is looking it's it's not towards the game that's ahead it's towards the transfer portal yeah i'm not saying that there's a mass exodus but if there was you heard it here first <laughs> is all i'm saying there, there's a lot of propensity for these players to begin to look for options um and this offense really was Bijan robinson without him they're a team without an identity and right. it's not just a team that's offensively searching for an identity defensively they're searching for that identity as well and that's a very dangerous spot to be in I said that they had too much money uh, tied up in Steve Sarkeesian for there to be any kind of a coaching change after one year and I don't know that it would be fair to make that kind of a move one year into his tenure if I can call it that as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns but I do think there's changes I think the locker room um, is probably the first thing that needs to be addressed. And that's dating back to 2009 until you can change the locker room at the Longhorns program. You're bound to be a mediocre program. Is Steve Sarkeesian the right man for the job? 
it's very possible. I wasn't there for the interviews, but at the end of the day, Matt, I think most eyes are looking towards the transfer portal and saying what's going to happen rather than wondering if they can win a game against Kansas State. I think it's a game they lose, and I think it's a game Kansas State wins comfortably. Wow. Okay. I I, I don't think I can. I don't think either team wins this comfortably. I, I think it's within a touchdown um, either way, honestly, on that. Um, Touched. I, I, I'm. It could be like ten points, but I just, I, I don't know what your definition of comfortable is. But to me, comfortable is like fourteen or more. Um, I just, I just don't. I again, it depends on on what Texas has left in the tank. Uh, the afternoon game on Friday, TCU is at Iowa State. Uh, three thirty kickoff. Uh, FS1. The Horn Frogs. They can still go bowling with a win in Ames. Iowa State sitting at six and five. Cyclones are a fifteen-point favorite. Over/under is fifty-nine. Give me your thoughts here, Rich. I don't like TCU. I, I, I was all on board Chandler Morris pulling the upset. I'm not on that train anymore. It left me at the station in week <laughs> two of some of the changes after the parting quote-unquote mutual parting of ways with Gary Patterson. Um, I think TCU could potentially have one of those gems of a game, though, and that's what scares me. I'm just not buying in to that thought process. Iowa State, bigger threats, uh, hard-hitting defense with a lot of players who have NFL aspirations, and I think they're going to be looking to make a stamp on their careers in their final game at home on senior night. It's just, it's just not going to happen for TCU for me. Yeah. I don't like, um, I don't like TCU in this game either. I, I don't like the over. I, I like the under here uh, at 59. And I, I think TCU, I just think they're going to struggle. Uh, they, we, we saw it happen in there. They kind of, their, their banger bust moment was that, that win uh, with Chandler Morris. And now they are busting ever since. Um, so give me Iowa state and the points they're, they're, um, I, I think they covered the 15 and I definitely think they hit the under here on this game moves us into Saturday. You got Texas tech at Baylor. Um, 52 is your over under here. Baylor's 14 point favorite over Texas tech. And I like both of those. I like the over and I like the 14 for Baylor against the red Raiders who, by the way, are bowl eligible, but they look just awesome awful against Oklahoma state last week. Now they go on the road to Waco and Baylor's Baylor's pretty salty as well. They're probably not up to par with what Oklahoma state is based off the on-field results between those two teams. But I, I think Baylor can take Texas tech behind the woodshed in Waco. Yeah. Here's what's a, a little odd to me is the, the coaching situation that's taking place at Texas tech. Sonny Cumbie steps into the role as the interim head coach. It's now saying that he will return as the offensive coordinator under a new coach. It's just a very odd scenario to play out for me. I, I don't know how comfortable he is in that position. I don't know. No, if he he's wanted being... it. He politic for it. I mean, that's, that's oh. he, he was asking for that, that position. So uh, he, he got what he wanted out of that. Well, there you have it. I, I'm saying when I look at him, it's, it's a regression for me, regardless of what he wants. And not everybody's cut out to be a head coach. Um, I, I hate to throw this name out and say that not everybody wants to be a head coach, but I felt like that was Brent Venables for a long time at the for University sure. of Oklahoma uh, before going to Clemson. Needless to say, it's still an odd situation 
for me to play out this season. Him coming back as the offensive coordinator, maybe they get things together because his focus is only on the offense, but I'm going to buy into that statement that I just made and say that this one's closer than, than, than 14 that the spread is at, but Baylor still wins it. Okay. Uh, another team looking for bowl eligibility. It's crazy to me, Rich, the, uh, the nightcap here, uh, you got Bedlam at six 30, but right before that, you've got Kansas with another primetime quote, primetime game, the Jayhawks <laughs> hosting the West Virginia Mountaineers, West Virginia, 15 and a half point favorite, the over under uh, 55 and a half. Again, I don't like the over on this game. Um, I think the Mountaineers, clearly are a better team than the Jayhawks. I think they go into Lawrence, they take care of business, they become bowl eligible, but it comes, it comes a lot closer than what people anticipate. I like Kansas to cover the 15 and a half points. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I do believe West Virginia wins this contest. We know what Kansas is playing for. It's more of a consolation prize to not be in the cellar of the big 12 to get that. Wait a second. Two Texas only has two wins. They're two and six in conference right now. Yeah, we talked about this last week. If, if Texas yeah, loses well, and Kansas, if Texas loses, loses and Kansas wins, well, even if Kansas loses, Texas just has to lose. If they lose, they finish in the cellar because Man. Kansas Kansas beat Texas. Oh, I know. I I just thought Kansas only had one conference win at this point in time, and it was indeed over the texas longhorns so yeah, that no, they were they're, they're, for, they're one and seven in, for in number two so, so they would need to win record wise they would need to win in order for texas to officially fall yeah. at the bottom of the conference I, i'm just gonna go for it i don't think they get it but i'm hoping they pull the upset here okay. not not only do they they take the points on the 15 but they get the the win outright let's just go for it all right, man. Well, best of luck to you there. I don't see it happening. Uh, give me your bedlam thoughts. Oklahoma and the number 10 team in the college football playoff against the number seven team in the college football playoff. Uh, Cowboys are a four-point favorite. This line has moved so much. When it first opened, the Sooners are actually favored. Then it went to three. Then it went to three and a half. Now it's four-point favorite for Oklahoma State. That means a lot of money in Vegas is coming in on the Cowboys. Over-unders at 49 and a half. Give it all to me, Rich. What do you think? Yeah, like I said, Matt, this one is a low-scoring affair for me. I think the defenses are the showcase of Bedlam this year, and rightfully so for what Oklahoma State is doing on the field, the experience that they have, and limiting the number of mistakes. It's proven to be a recipe for success, and I think they ride that momentum into this game. Oklahoma on the opposite end, still growing on the back end, but has a very, very adequate above-par defensive line that has the ability to get pressure that has the ability to force these quarterback hurries and more importantly has the ability to make the quarterback um, make a bad decision and mm -hmm. throw the ball up in a 50 50 situation the back end if they come down with them i like oklahoma's chances i just don't see enough of them to predict an oklahoma sooners win which means i'm going in uh, favor of the cowboys here 21 17 21-17, Oklahoma State. You heard it there from Rich. He actually hates the Sooners and is probably wearing an Oklahoma State T-shirt right now as we're recording this podcast. Um, first of all, let me say, because it is Bedlam, um, I, I, give me the over. Just because it's Bedlam, give me the over on this uh, 49 and a half. Um, and then I've got two picks for this game, all right? 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you two picks. The first pick comes from my heart. Uh, and so from my heart, I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win by a final score of 31 to 21. Um, that's the heart pick. And then my second pick for this game is comes from my head and with logic. And with my head and logic, I'm going to pick um, I'm going to pick Oklahoma State to win this game. Uh, 31 to 21. <laughs> so uh, there it is. I, I just mean, I, I want the upset. My heart is, is pulling uh, for the Sooners, but logically you just got to, you, you see the sign, you see the roadmap and you got to follow it. I'm just going to throw out one thought there. Um, and if this trend continues, I'm going to agree with you on your heart pick here. It's something that we hadn't discussed, something that I hadn't even considered. I asked um, you what we hadn't discussed. Yeah, man. I just, I, this just came to mind, but it's, it's the recollection of how conservative Mike Gundy gets in terms of play calling in, in this game specifically. And if he goes back to that conservative style of play calling, instead of keeping this offensive playbook open, man, I like the heart pick all of a sudden. All right. Well, hey, we wish you guys all a very happy Thanksgiving, regardless of what happens this weekend with Bedlam. Uh, we'll be back to talk about it uh, Sunday night. Uh, we're recording a post-Bedlam podcast, and uh, we just wish you all the best. Rich, happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can hit us up uh, online at heartland-sports.com. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who sends the messages and participates in the conversation. Again, happy Thanksgiving. Boomer Sooner, everybody. Thank you.